Hey, welcome to our Public Church podcast. We hope this message blesses you today. For more information on Public Church, please see us on www.public.church. Okay, here we go. Relationships. I'm first cab off the rank, so I'm going to sort of come in and I've got the fun topic for everyone, okay? I'm going to talk with you today about how to deal with controlling personalities. Who knows a control freak? Someone in the audience right now, you just ripped someone else's hands down. You are that control freak right now. So this is the thing. Put your hand down. See, it's very difficult sometimes in life. There's so many different personalities. And when other people's brokenness affects us, it's like, how do we continue to show the love of God? How do we continue to deal with them, be gracious, but at the same time, not break relationship, but show the love of God. But at the same time, as we don't break relationship, we won't get manipulated. We won't get controlled by that controlling person or that personality. So we see here that we're going to talk today how to deal with someone who is a controlling personality. Okay, Controlling people are not always malicious. They don't always have bad intent. They're not out to be purely evil, absolutely on purpose. They might have some dysfunction in their own life. They may have been hurt, and so they're putting up self-protection. So mostly people who are controlling, it's easier for them to control the world around them because if they can control the world around them and by putting up a barrier, therefore they're not susceptible or vulnerable to necessarily being hurt if they can control every situation and circumstance around them. But who knows that you can't control everyone, everything. You can't control the weather. You can't control different people. You can't control your boss. You can't control your children, although I've tried my hardest. So we see here that sometimes they're needy. They might be responding out of neediness, out of insecurity, or absolutely just they're just hurting. The thing is with needy people is that if we don't know how to deal with and manage controlling people, it can potentially become a black hole vortex in a relationship, a black hole vortex that no matter what you sow into it, no matter what need you meet, nothing ever is enough to fill the void that can potentially be there. So there we see here that you can never give enough time. They might always want more. You might always, um, they might demand more out of you than you can give. So where do you put a fine line in the sand? Where do you put a boundary? How do you deal with that? Today we're going to cover um, three points in just a moment on how I believe that we can handle and deal with controlling personalities. So we see here that controlling personalities, controlling people, they either can control with their anger they can potentially manipulate. They might do a tantrum. They might complain. They might walk out. They might threat. There's two key areas that controlling personalities, they try to control with. These two things are threats and guilt. So we see here a controlling person might threaten that they might walk out on a marriage. A controlling person might might threaten that if they're your boss, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to sack you. Controlling parents, if you don't do what you're going to say, I'm going to lock you in your room and I'm going to throw you away the key. Who here has said amen to that? 
Amen. So we see here that threats, they're either spoken out loud or they're subtly implied. If you don't do what I want, you'll pay for this. Maybe it might be in a um, boyfriend-girlfriend relationship and the boyfriend might say, if you don't give me what I want, I'm walking out on this relationship. And we see that time and time again that if someone's not whole and they want the affection of the boyfriend, we see them get into all sorts of trouble. In a, in a marriage, as I said there before, if you don't do what I say or if you don't do what I want, I'm going to leave. Then we see threats are what controlling personalities use. They also use guilt. I thought that we were friends, some would say. Some would say, after all I've done for you, you, want to do this, you don't want to do this for me. Other times they'll say, you never call me. Who has a relative or a parent or, don't put your hand up if they're in the room. Who here has someone that says, you don't ring me enough. You never ring me. You never text me. You never reach out to me. We see here that within that, that controlling personality is trying to get leverage to get their way. So therefore, how do we love controlling people? Let's turn to the Word of God right now. And there's this incredible passage of Scripture here where um, Jesus is with his disciples. Um, I'm actually, I've, I've, put up there, uh, I've put up there, guys, um, 33, but I'm just going to go a little bit before it. Then Jesus began to tell them, the Son of Man, this is Matthew 8, verse 31, for those of you who are taking notes. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. And he would be killed, but three days later he would rise up from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside. Notice that? Peter took him aside. He wanted to try and leverage the conversation. He wanted to sort of ostracize. He wanted to sort of take them away from everyone else, isolate, so that he could get his opinions on what he felt Jesus should do, which is quite funny, I think. So he took him aside to reprimand him. This is Peter was about to reprimand Jesus why and, and for saying such things. And this is where we can put it on the screen. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples. Then he reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan. Turn the person next to you and say, get behind me, Satan. Turn the person on the other side. Get behind me, Satan. Come on, some of you have been wanting to say this all day. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, but you're not seeing them from God's. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. I'll park right there. The first point that I want to talk to off the back of that is that in order to deal with um, controlling people or controlling personalities, you need to know what you're called to do. You need to know what you're called to do. Because everyone's got a plan, everyone's got an opinion, everyone's got something that they want to impose on you if you're not clear about what you want to do. 
Jesus was so clear. He was sent here to save that which was lost. He was sent here to build the kingdom of God. He was sent here to raise up disciples and create a love revolution that the world has never seen. It was so clear. Jesus' eye was fixed like a flint on purpose, exactly what he needed to do. Because he was very clear about what he was called to do, when Peter came along and said, hey, that's not going to happen. We don't want you to be a part of that. When he says here that, that as he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and reprimanded him and tried to take him off track, tried to take him off course, tried to pull him away from what God had called him to do. Now let's have a look at that within our own lives. Could you imagine at that point if Jesus wasn't clear about what he was called to do, he would have been knocked off course. He would have been knocked off of the purpose and the plan and the call that God had for him. See, when a controlling personality, as I said before, Peter's not evil. Peter's not a bad guy. Peter had just had a revelation just a few passages before that Jesus was the Son of God. And then Peter was commended by Jesus and he said, Oh my goodness, this is amazing what you've seen. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father up in heaven above, upon this revelation, upon this thought, upon this thing that you've just spoken that I'm the Son of God, I'm actually going to build my church upon what you just said. So he's gone from absolutely nailing it, winning it when Jesus said, Who would you say that I am? All the disciples got it wrong. He pops his hand up and he says, You're Jesus, the Son of God. So he's gone from there, one of the most powerful moments in that passage of Scripture, one of the great understandings, one of the great revelations to get behind me, Satan. See, this is the thing, is that there can be some good intention people. There's some well-intentioned people, people that even love you, people that have got your best interests at heart. But if we're not clear about the purposes of God upon our lives and the call of God upon our lives, then we're going to get buffeted around by the wind. And when a controlling person tries to leverage up, tries to ramp it up, tries to flex and impose their will, their thoughts, their desires, exactly what you should supposedly do at that point, that's when you can actually be aware right there and then that you're not going to be controlled, you're not going to be manipulated, you're not going to be threatened, you're not going to have guilt leveraged upon you because you know what? You're exactly going to know what you're called to do. Let's have a think about this. Could you imagine Peter saying to Jesus, come alongside, come over here, come over here so no one else can hear me try to influence you with my thoughts when I impose my opinion upon you and I'll isolate you from everyone else. Come, come over here so I'm going to tell you that's a bad idea, Jesus. Don't go to the cross. You're not going to die. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We're going to take the hill. We're going to, we're going to turn this kingdom upside down. We're going to, this is going to be a revolution and we're going, to, we're going to see something like... And he's imposing his idea. Could you imagine if Jesus was codependent on Peter. Could you imagine if Jesus' identity, listen to this, could you imagine if Jesus' identity was so wrapped up in what Peter's opinion was of him that he goes, you know what? You're right, Peter. You know what? That is a dumb idea. I'm not going to go and die. I'm not going to go and get raised up on the third day. What is it that you had for me? Oh, you wanted to go over there and have a cup of tea together. 
Sure, why don't we go over here and have a cup of tea? And don't worry about the whole redemption. Don't worry about me laying down my life for mankind. Don't worry about me actually going to a cross and suffering all the sins of the world. And don't worry about me raising up on the third day, covering sin and death. Don't worry about that. You're right, Peter. You think about that for our lives. We need to be so clear about our purpose and our mission about what God has called us to do that we can't get knocked off kilter, that we're going to stay true and not get manipulated by controlling people. Can I hear an amen? amen. So you hear this and you go, that's good for you, Pastor Cam. You know, you're, you're in ministry. You know, you're, you're, you're the whole pastor thing. And you're very clear about what you're called to do and what you're called to be. But I don't have a ministry calling as such. Oh, my, my, my purpose, and I'm still trying to wrap, figure it out. It's not, not that clear. See, sometimes when we think our purpose and our mission and our calling, we think ministry or we think our, our, our ministry giftings in the life of the church. If you're a business owner, maybe that's a little bit clearer. Maybe some of the teachers are here. They've got a real passion in their heart to help young people and young children and educate them, not just in their mind, but in their whole heart. But this is the thing. Sometimes... More often than not, my ministry calling is to my wife, Renee. I need to covet and look after that relationship. I need to tend to it. I need to make sure that I'm a good husband. I need to make sure that we're spending time together. I've got a calling towards my marriage with Renee. I've got a calling to raise up three wonderful kids. I've got a calling to make sure that I invest into them, that I spend time with them, that I love them, that I nurture, that I correct, that I train in the ways of God so that they're going to be fine, young, upstanding young men, young women of God when it comes time for them to mature into adulthood. So this is the thing. So my calling towards Renee, my calling towards my family, and then, of course, I've got a calling to being a pastor here at Public Church and making sure that I'm shepherding everyone and making sure that everyone's being well cared for, loved, uh, looked after, discipled and growing in a faith community, in a brand new baby church as we continue to grow. That's my calling. But what about when someone wants my time? What about when 50 people are texting me in the week and they want this and they want that? And all these other demands... And then someone's trying to manipulate or someone's trying to control or someone's trying to leverage. Come on, Pastor Cam, you're supposed to be my pastor and you're not spending any time with me. Well, so hang on. Because I'm so clear, because I'm so on purpose making sure that I'm making sure that my marriage and my family and my children, when I get an invitation to go overseas to come and preach, and I've already got three or four others. And then that person on the other side of the, of the world is saying, come on, I really feel like what's on your heart with Youth Alive and Public Church. You need to be here and you need to come and impart your knowledge and you need to come and do this. You need to come and do that. And you've got to be here. And, then, and this is the thing where if I wasn't clear about the purpose that God had for me, I could be whisked away because you know what? Uh, deep down inside of us, everyone loves to be needed. Everyone wants to be wanted. Everyone wants to actually be a people pleaser to some degree. Who loves pleasing people? Think about it. And this is the thing that we have to be so careful that if we please people more than we please what God has asked us to do, it's actually a subtle form of idolatry. 
gee, you're heavy today, Pastor Cam. I thought we were coming relationships and we were going to learn the birds and the bees. We we're going to learn all that sort of stuff. Renee's going to preach that next week. I'll leave all the, the big topics to her. I'll deal with the control freaks on the first one, all right? This is the thing that we need to be careful because, as I said there before, Jesus' will and purpose was to do the will of the Father. So when Peter comes to try and knock him off course, he was very clear. When things come to you and someone's trying to manipulate you and trying to control you and get them to do what they think is best for you, you can be very clear that you can look at it through the lens of God. What have you called me to do? Is my family going to suffer for this? Is my marriage going to suffer for this? Are my children going to suffer for this? Is it my job and the thing that you put before me going to suffer for this? Is it my friendships that I value that are, that are, that are so meaningful to me? And are they going to suffer for this? And so when you put it through the lens of that, therefore, you can absolutely be clear that you know exactly how you can deal with it. So, number two, know when someone is trying to control you. You know, this is the incredible thing. Every single controlling person has one absolute clear thing in common. Undeniably, it's irrefutable. It's absolutely 100% infallible. There's this one thing that every single controlling person has in common. They have someone who is enabling them and is allowing themselves to be controlled. You think that through. Every single one of us has, has, that knows a controlling person, they're a controlling person because they're actually being empowered. Someone is accepting that control. So how on earth then do we deal with that? Know when someone is trying to control you. You need to recognize and acknowledge when someone is trying to push you or pull you towards what they want and against God's will for your life. Peter was not a bad guy. He was not an evil person, as I've said before. So therefore, the incredible thing is that Peter did not understand Jesus' plan. He didn't understand God's plan. So therefore, you have to know when someone is trying. This is the incredible thing, is, is that we need to know when someone is pressuring to meet needs that you were never supposed to meet. Listen to that. Therefore, if you're aware and you know when someone is trying to control you, you know that because someone's asking you to meet needs that you were never, ever supposed to meet. I'm going to talk in just a moment as when we wrap up in just a moment. But this, this is the thing is that when th there is a fine art in making sure that when someone is trying to control, when someone's trying to leverage, when someone's trying to, to, to overwhelm you and get them to do what they want to do, the incredible thing is, is that when that happens, there is a fine art form into how to manage that and how to navigate that. So we see here that as we continue to move on, if Vanessa, if you could come up, that would be awesome. Is it the third but definitely not last? is that you need to know when it's time to make a stand. You need to know when it's time to make a stand. Now, I'm not telling us that we all need to go home or we need to go to our bosses or we need to go to that person at work and look them in the eyes and say to them, get behind me, Satan. 
I don't really think that is going to work. But we do need to be aware, we do need to be aware that there, there is an evil intent that is behind trying to knock us off God's course. There's an evil spirit behind that, that controlling person. That person might not necessarily be evil as such, although there might be some vindictive controlling personalities in your world. I, I pray that that, that that hasn't broken you and that's not hurting you, that, that God has given you a grace to love them but not be controlled by them. That's my heart. That's my prayer. Is that with that, we see here that we need to know when and how to make a stand. Jesus was clear. He was concise. He had great clarity around his purpose. So when he identified what was going on, he was absolutely right there and then. He was not going to allow Peter to be empowered and gain control over his life. Because if Peter was gaining control of his life, then the father was no longer giving direction and no, giving, no longer giving guidance. So this per, these people, you can do what Jesus did. You can actually identify it. You can just say, hey, I'm not going to allow that to happen today. I'm not going to do that today. That person... They will probably double down. And they'll leverage it. They'll probably come on a little bit stronger. And at that point, I believe that God will give us a grace, a strength and a boldness and a confidence to hold our ground. Because you know what? We don't want to be manipulated or controlled by another human being. We want to be in partnership. We want to collaborate. We want to be in unity but we don't want to be controlled because we want to be led by the Spirit of God. At the end of the day, that's our purpose, is to follow what God would want us to do. And if someone's controlling and pulling us off of that, then I really believe that God wants to give us the, the ability to allow God to take that space back and allow Him His peace to rest within our heart. You know, um, we see here, there's a couple of um, comments or um, quotes that I've taken from Pastor Craig Grishel around this. It says, your current, he says this, your current relationships, they are a combination of what you created and what you have allowed. Think that through. Our current relationships are a combination of what we have intentionally created or unintentionally created, but we've been an active participant within it, or a relationship that we have actually allowed. So we see here that if you don't like what you have, change what you accept and what you expect. So if you don't want to be controlled anymore, then you need to change your expectation around that. Within that, you're gonna that expectation is gonna change, and that behaviour, you're not gonna accept it anymore. And so within that, as I said, you graciously say, "Hey, I don't want that in my life anymore. I don't want you to say those things anymore. I'm not going to do that 
anymore. I need to do what God has asked me to do. As I said, they might double down. But have you seen a child going berserk at the shops? I remember little Liam. Renee, Renee rang me. Not This is not last week. <laughs> Liam was going through the terrible twos. And he was going berserk at the shops at the Westfield back in Adelaide. And Renee was, I'm not going to let this little punk beat me. So I wasn't going to accept this behaviour. I wasn't going to allow this behaviour. So she doubled down. She clipped him in the, in the pram. She put weights on top of him, all the shopping. No, no, no. He's arcing his back. He's like, oh, he's like turning into a demon, like literally. His head started spinning. No, no, I'm just joking. And he was going mental. And so, so Renee was like, this is embarrassing. The whole shop's looking. It's like out of control. So she went and took him aside into a little alleyway and gave him a little bit of a paddy whack. Just, just a gentle one, nothing that you could get reported to the government authorities. Just thought I'd say that because we're on tape right there. A gentle, loving tap to let him know who's boss. And he still would not back down. So she rang me. I got on the phone. I said, Ashton, I'm going to snap you in half. I'm oh, sorry, Liam. Liam, I, I'm going to snap you in half if you don't do what mummy says. And he stopped immediately and the power of God came and he fell under the spirit of the Lord. Not quite. But this is the thing, is that you see that there with a little two-year-old wanting to get his way, wanting to control the whole situation, the whole family. If we kept allowing Ash, Liam, sorry, Liam at two years of age, every single time he arched his back, bent back, his head started spinning like a demon, he did if we allowed him to get away with it right there and then when he was two, he'd be 18 years of age, telling dad where to go, screaming, shouting. He's bigger than me now and he's getting very muscly. Probably give me a knuckle sandwich and tell me where to go. And him, you see what I'm saying? So what? let's boil that back down. So that was incredibly difficult for Renee at that point in time, not to bow, not to bend and just give him what he wanted. But we knew we were playing a long game here. Hey, buddy, we need to do what's best for you and for our family. And that sort of behavior, that's not going to work right here, right now. We love you, but that behavior, it's unacceptable. And we're not going to allow it here in this space. So you know what? You can function at two years of old, two years of age. You can function like a purely normal human being and you can be a part of the family, but you cannot carry on like that. In that same way that Renee dealt with Liam and all of our children, in fact, and the way she deals with me. <laughs> I'm not going to allow that in this house. I'm not going to accept that. You're not going to control me. Shit jokes. I've got to land this plane before I get myself into trouble. With people in our lives... Just because we say no, just because we say we're not going to allow that, it doesn't mean we love them any less. We love you 
I care for you, but I'm not going to rescue you anymore. I love you. I care for you, but I'm not going to bail you out of a hole anymore. I love you. I care for you, but that, you know what? I've done so much for you. My whole family is being neglected. I'm sorry. Enough is enough. You're going to have to go your own way and sort it out. I love you, and it seems painful, but you know what? You're not going to control me. You're not going to threaten me with subliminal messages anymore. You're not going to, you're not going to try and guilt trip me anymore. I'm not going to allow that to have an influence and an impact on my life anymore because I need to do what God wants me to do.